My pretty boy notes. Like how you sort of you, you worked that note there, like a creamy, <laughs> like a creamy sap. <laughs> you just expelled it from the tree. Like I, what? Like I, I shoved a, a spile into my stomach. Yeah, like your, like your syrupy goodness. Like we, <laughs> we, we jammed that tap right in your spigot spot and waited for the and waited for the sap to flow. Yeah, and it went into our ears. <laughs> Please put your song sap in my ears. <laughs> Dribble some song sap in me. <laughs> mm, I'm full. I'm full to bursting. Do you guys know why some trees make uh, make more or better syrup than other trees? What's that? They have to be in a place where they freeze overnight and then unfreeze during the day. That's oh, how you, you get had that a, syrup. You had a serious answer. Wait, that's a real really? serious answer. Yeah. Used to be four ordinary teenagers. <laughs> What's good, my friends? It's Saturday morning Tuesdays. It's that animated podcast about real cartoons. I'm Andy. I'm Austin Bridges. And hey, I'm Rory. Guys, hi. Rory. Hey. hey. <laughs> How's everybody doing? I'm I'm perked up. I am I am reverse perked. I am I am uh I got an, an hour robbed from me in the night by these by these uh <laughs> these daylight to... savings hooligans. Daylight's in trouble, Rory, over here. Daylight's in, in trouble. <laughs> we gotta save that. We need to fucking save it. Right. So to be clear, your country that you were in does not celebrate daylight savings. Yeah. Celebrate <laughs> They don't. They don't celebrate the time of tradition it. when we they honor don't. the brave sacrifice made by daylight. <laughs> they don't celebrate. Yes, that's it. correct. They raise and no so flags. I did they write no banners. I benefited from it in the in the form of one hour extra sleep last time. It has now been. I got. I got comfortable. I got soft. Yeah. And uh, and like uh, like a hard like a the end of a hard harvest. Uh, I have nothing much to show for my for my my week. I'm the grasshopper in this situation. <laughs> to 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 your guys's aunt. You guys have been preparing for the long winter. <laughs> We've been squirreling away our hours, <laughs> squirreling away your your nuts, and I've been sitting here laying under the Taiwanese sun. <laughs> if it makes you feel better, we also had the hour stolen from us. Uh, yeah. That's true. Had a pretty Which rough is- morning. Um, yeah, we just got to complain about it at work with everybody else going like, mm, love that oh, coffee, right? Oh, geez, Karen, did you have as shitty of a night of sleep as I did? Mm, more coffee beans for me, please. Oh, I man, I'm going to need a, perk. a big old helping of this coffee here at office. Uh, so, okay, so I, I, I have a thought, you guys. Um, I think that, you know, we're trying to make this podcast really cool and really fun and, and, uh, I don't know about popular. Maybe it'll be popular one day. But I think that one thing we're lacking that a lot oh, of other... Where is this going? No, 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 no. I, th- I think I think uh, a lot of other podcasts sort of succeed where we're currently not succeeding by sort of creating like a cult of personality around the hosts, you know? Like we mm. sort of... Like, like I don't... I feel like people don't really know much about us yet as people. 
Uh, like I think that listeners might find it really interesting to know about uh, about Austin and his exciting uh, career in dressage for cats. <laughs> dressage yeah. for cats. I, I don't want to bore people with that old chestnut. And <laughs> <laughs> Rory, you got a you got a nice collection of uh, of used celebrity coloring books. That's true, and I only color them in pink. <laughs> and that's not to say that I only draw them pink. I just I drop pink at the good spots. Hold, hold on. Are those books... I mean, I know everything about you, so this isn't new to me. But just to clarify <laughs> for the audience, are these books that were owned by... Like, used books owned by celebrities? Yes, you just used books owned by they, celebrities. So, so, so I they're, get, they're mostly animal books. Co- they're mostly animal coloring books. Some, like, okay. architecture from, from nerds. Andy, what, what, about, what about your fun things? Uh, I don't know. I think, I think maybe, maybe listeners might like to know about my... Uh, my PhD that I have in in PhD studies. Oh boy! Oh or brother! No, 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 no! It's it's uh, it's I uh, I study other people who have PhDs and like I did you uh, minor just... in a snake eating its own tail? <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, I did. Witty yes and that was good. Nice. <laughs> yes. No. Good isn't work. yes and isn't yes anding in improv just saying yes and putting a period? Yeah, like, yes, hey, the ending would have been if you had gone and eaten a snake. Would have been, <laughs> would have been how you, how you, Can how I? you elevate Austin's joke and share the space. My best improv scenes involve eating a snake. Can you, can you do that like in an audio form? Could, like eat a snake? Do, do I just make eating snake noises for the? No, you should, podcast? you should do it in method. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll. Uh, I'm gonna miss like the first half of this podcast then because I gotta go find a snake. I gotta go. I gotta go. Catch yes. a snake. <laughs> yes, do that for me, please. <laughs> to catch a snake. I don't know. I just, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, we just keep finding ways to, to sort of divulge fun details about ourselves. Yeah. Uh, see, I mean, that's that's your theory. I mean, my theory, and we can get into this later. But you know, I thought it would be fun if we introduced like a fun animal companion, like a talking mascot mm, that mm-hmm, would sort mm-hmm. of like represent our show. And so I was going for I thought we should go for like a cool catchphrase. Okay. I mean we do do that. We we <laughs> you know I said cool catchphrase. Okay. Well, you know, I have <laughs> okay. a beholder. We'll workshop it. Yeah, it's fine. It just you know, I guess you haven't been listening to anything I've been saying for these last like thirty episodes, but I've been spitting out gems, hot gems right out of my out of my gem slot. <laughs> <laughs> With like the animal companion situation, would that be like uh like he a, wants a like dog. A, he wants a cool dog. Like, I think. Oh, like a dog. Like, uh, like Tuesday the Tuesday Coyote. I like, was gonna go. I was gonna call him Downtown Vince, <laughs> <laughs> and he's just sort of like a city socialite, sort of a sort of a dog, and he knows all the good places to get drinks. You're like, what's the what's on the what's on the bar tab today, Downtown Vince? And then he doesn't talk because he's a dog. <laughs> Yeah, that that would follow. But he knows, like when when he's a good boy and he's out for a walk, he knows the spots he can he can dip in for for a free water. Right, but we just refer to him like off, you know, off mic, and we'd be like, "Hey, Vince, yeah, you should have, man, you should have seen him." Downtown yeah. Vince has always been a part of the podcast. Uh, I think he's listening and smiling. <laughs> Let's talk about shows. <laughs> talk about the cartoons. Oh, these cartoons that we're watching. Hey, we're a podcast about cartoons. Did I mention that? Uh, let's start it off with some Digimon Adventure. Just to be clear, that's a show called Digimon Adventure. I know you said it wrong. Let's go to Digimon but... Sladventures. <laughs> that's what I said. Aye. 
I'm Andrew Davison, and I am fluent in the English language. <laughs> I'm fucking drunk. <laughs> We're going to keep putting him on blast for this minor slip up. <laughs> you just bought a one way ticket to Ass Blast Station. <laughs> Look, I don't even care if you were if you were being comical about the phrasing. I just I want you to end. It's <laughs> a really terrifying thing to have said to you. <laughs> I do want to hear more about ass blast station. <laughs> oh, <laughs> tell me more about. <laughs> okay, more about ass blast station. Let's let's get it. Let's get let's get downtown. Let's get it. Hey everybody, we're back with a uh, after all of our fun chat, and we're we're here to to explore the meat of our show, and uh, you know after trimming off trimming off that fat that discussion fat of this this pork cutlet of Digimon. <laughs> and uh today's episode was Digimon episode 21, Home Away from Home, which is a real fun one. Hey, uh Rory, can you give us a synopsis? Ty cannot believe his luck when he and Koromon appear in the real world. So he heads home to investigate only to discover that he must somehow get back to the digital world. I like your synopsis voice. You thank you. It's a, yeah, it's, it's like a, professional for once. It's a good cadence. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for bringing your uh, your B game today, Rory. It was very appreciated. No, I thought I thought the, the I thought the twist was that you just found out that you've been getting six months of B game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought I was getting C game. Um. Oh, it was still okay. It was still a burn. I haven't. I have yet to see your A game. So, Ooh, are you Spider Man's nemesis? Because there is venom around. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Spider-Man's nemesis is B-game. Uh, the phone villain? Well, it appears that we want to do anything but discuss cartoons tonight. Um, yeah. No, let's talk about this one. Ty is yeah. in the real world, and uh, he has a lot of existential crisis moments. Um, which is kind of nice, because he, we get to see him really question the nature of what's going on in a way that maybe... Another cartoon might have just been like, oh, I'm back home. Let me go find my family and see what's up. But he takes time to be like, is this even really home? Is this still the digital world? Is any of this real? Is this all a trick? And I like that. Yeah, yeah I was it's thoroughly kind of a impressed. fun reversal on the Digimon had that same crisis uh, an episode or two ago when they f- found out that the two worlds were kind of linked. Mm-hmm. Right. The Digimon were like, are we not real? Are we not real friends? Right. Yeah, Ty, so no, Ty, Ty puts to... the theory like through its paces. Yeah. And, you know, he's really quick to jump on literally like every beat. He's he's pretty on top of it, which is incredibly surprising <laughs> given given Ty's entire track record. Yeah. Um, we sort of we start they, they wake up. Well, wake up. They appear in a park near where Ty lives and they scare the shit out of a little girl because Coromon talks to her and is like, hey, are you <laughs> real? And she just cries and they're worried about the park police coming to get them. Yeah. Uh, I like <laughs> yeah. the idea of park police. Uh, <laughs> was this always Coromon's voice? I felt like it used to be a little bit more. Uh, I noticed babyish. that, too. 
I think maybe yeah, they I think changed they, I think it. they gave him a real voice because they were like, this is too many lines for the way we've been doing the baby Pokemon or the baby <laughs> Digimon. Whoa. And hey. they gave him like a like a deep man voice. It's a, li- it's a little bit uh a little bit of a hard a hard turn on <laughs> what you're, on your expectations, but I kind of dug his. I liked his choices. Yeah, yeah, me yeah, too. Because he's he's going to be there for most of the episode, so they gotta gotta really dial it up. Rory, uh, the the we're, the whole reason we're watching this show is because you picked it at the very beginning. So I'm not gonna mm-hmm. I'm not gonna let you accidentally say Pokemon when you mean Digimon <laughs> any, anymore. <laughs> uh, you don't get to do that. <laughs> Does that put your? Does that just make your all your anime boy fur just stand on its just stand on end? <laughs> My hackles. Does, does Rory get? Does Rory get uh, like sloppy boy demerits? <laughs> Maybe. Is that where he's being a sloppy boy? <laughs> I liked it. The I liked it the more you said it. Yeah, yes. I feel like calling out sloppy boy is kind of prissy boy it kind of starts being a full circle <laughs> this is going to be a real cascading demerit situation well and and andy it got you upset because it upset your anime your anime <laughs> sensibility so we're kind of doing this like we're just gonna sit in a strangle and spank each other <laughs> welcome back oh. to saturday morning circle spanks uh, the power of sloppiness prissiness and anime <laughs> three boys <laughs> Uh, so Something, I, uh, yeah. Oh no. I, I think that it's, it's really interesting. Cormon, Cormon drinking a cup of a can of soda. Uh, exactly. <laughs> it's the worst. We get, we get a couple to- horrible Cormon sound moments in this episode and shit. I mean, he just, he's a little ball and he just laps, wraps his lips all the way around this soda can. Like the whole can is in his mouth, and he's just going, and it's so fucking inappropriate. In the digital world, you have to imagine that they're inundated with pornographic imagery. It's all he knows. It's how he. It's how he. That's something we haven't talked about. If that place is, is the how internet, much porn the Digimon have seen. There's way too few bu- boobs. I almost said boobs. Way too f- few boobs to, uh, for that we digital just world to be Andy the internet. We just for getting English again. <laughs> I am totally a normal human. Don't worry about it. I haven't been replaced by a pod person. Uh, but chronologically, uh, the, just to be the beginning, there's a moment where Ty is looking around at all the places he remembers from, from where he is. And he's like, hey, there's the toy factory. And it's this <laughs> gigantic huge like skyscraper that like brutalist architecture yeah it's insane it's like a weird like cyberpunk twin building and i don't know if that was actually the toy factory if they changed that in the dub if it it was like yeah i don't know if those are real places (laughs) what you think like in the japanese it was like and there's that local sad office building and then there's this other office building Maybe. Well, I would have believed, hey, there's where dad works a oh, thousand yeah, yeah, yeah. percent more than, hey, there's the toy factory. Like, <laughs> I just don't believe children have an operational knowledge of where toy factories are. No. I mean, look. Toys, I, toys lives begin at the supermarket. When I was growing up near Redmond, like, when we drive by the Nintendo building, we all knew where that shit was. Well, okay. Okay. <laughs> you know. That's but he a little different. Nintendo. Yeah, but... I don't know. Maybe if you're a kid, you know where to get your beak wet. It's true. You you know you know where the Nintendo is if you if you're from a place where there's a Nintendo. <laughs> but you always know. We, uh, <laughs> Children are born one, knowing. 
Ty goes back to his parents' house, to his apartment building, and finds his sister. Yeah, Kari. Kari. Kari? Yeah, your sweet baby girl Kari shows up. Kari is interesting. She alternatingly feels like a very young girl and then also like not that much younger than Ty based on her dialogue. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's kind of like a like a Joss Whedon sort of wafy uh, transient like mystery telepathic girl, mm-hmm. um, you know, who's like a little off and not really there, but also possibly contains the prophecy destiny of the world kind of situation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She seems to know about the digital world uh, and she knows Coromon's name instantly. And then. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, OK, so I think the really big, interesting thing that we learn in this episode which, of course, has large lore implications for the future of this show, is that all of the natural disasters we kept hearing about at the very first episode and then we hear about again on the TV in this episode are being caused by Digimon in the real world. Right, but they haven't, they can't be seen by, I don't know, adults or by people who haven't been to the digital world. They can't see it, so... And so Ty can see these Digimon on the TV, and he's like, holy shit, why is there, like, a big old Frigimon causing a blizzard on TV? And then yeah, we also get an, an interesting um, we, we the passage of time for how long he's been gone seems right. Kari wasn't like there was no Amber Alert for Ty and his friends. No. Right. Um, and it's the same day. I mean, he looks at the calendar and it's the same day that he yeah. supposedly went into yeah, the digital like world before that time. Like it's a yeah, it's a little bit back in time, I think. That part's unclear. Like, I don't know. I mean, it might be a little bit back in time, but I'm not positive that Ty is reading the situation correctly. I think maybe no no time or very, very, very little time has passed. But I if think he it's... didn't go back in time, then we're talking about a Narnia situation, right? Exactly. Right. Like, it's a, like I my gut told me it was a Narnia situation that, like, you know, time in the digital world, you spend years or whatever, and you come back, and it's been a few days. Um, right. So I don't know what's real. Uh, it's possible that he's traveled back in time uh, in the same day, uh, but it's very unclear. And it's made even more unclear by the fact that Kari is like, she can see these Digimon and she's like, wow, finally somebody else can see the Digimon. She knows Koromon's name. She knows about the digital world. And we never really get an explanation on any of that. Yeah, she's also like she notices like Ty has a thought in its head about if she's sick and she's like, I'm not sick or something like that. It's a moment thought, where he thinks something no, and then she immediately vocalizes what he no, was thinking. I thought she read his thoughts, but then she's responding to the fact that his hands on her head t- trying to feel her temperature. He's like, oh. I wonder if I wonder if we have a crazy fever. And, and then his hand is on her head and she's like, why do you think I have a fever? It, I thought okay. she was reading his mind, too. But that was that. That's I what rewatched I it. So I, I rewatched like, it and it was psychic. clear. No, but got it. no. OK, it was that... it was just a poorly telegraphed physical moment. OK. It was like a cut, and then we didn't notice that his hand was already on her head. Speaking of weird physical moments, uh, Koromon continues to eat and eat. And because actually Ty figured out some stuff from his friends, like his best friend Matt taught him how to cook. Oh, how to cook. That's a moment I would have loved to see on screen. I know. Like, uh, you know, finding out that our best favorite super cute sweet boy Matt like also can cook like he is husband material he's a full package (laughs) 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 yeah holy fuck yeah (laughs) i mean ty ty obviously like ty has become more bearable especially in this episode because all Mm -hmm. of his friends have taught him how to not suck 
<laughs> and, you know, so he's coming back and we can see him alone. Uh, yeah. Like, like Avatar and Korra both had the, like, Zuko alone and Korra alone. And, and yep. you kind of see how they've grown and how they can, like, respond themselves. And now with, with Ty, uh, you know, we really get to see, like, how far he's come as far yeah. as, like, cooking stuff. And, but, so Koromon eats a lot. And then has to poop, I guess. Has to go boom, boom. <laughs> yeah. Has to make roses show up on the screen as like a transition of like, yeah, you know what's going to happen. <laughs> and then the little kickball monster is shitting in the toilet. <laughs> he with the door cracked open. And, and he's Kari like, standing watch. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, you know, like with Agumon, he's he's fairly anthropomorphic. This is yeah. just a ball with a face and a butthole. <laughs> Yeah, well, we didn't know about he the butthole until arms, now. But thank God he's had a, he's got a butthole. <laughs> How does he wipe? I'm gonna need someone to put out like an art book for Digimon, but it's just showing us where all the buttholes are. Yeah, please, thank you. I think this is a part of the lore that is is crying to be fil- filled out. Yeah, please fill out the buttholes. <laughs> <laughs> well, because then Koromon goes back to eating eating um. Eating watermelon in, uh, yeah, and not it, oh it, it, it reminiscent reminiscent of his of his soda can endeavors. Well, it's it's even it's even worse because we hear oh my god we hear him eating the watermelon, but it's yeah off he's just screen. slobbering all over it. It's off screen. We don't like the first shot. We just hear him doing it, and it's it just sounds. I'm gonna. It sounds like this, like. <laughs> like uh, it's so weird. It's so weird. Stop sexualizing this ball with a butthole. Our iTunes rating is going to be so explicit. <laughs> They're going to find a new E to put. On. Gonna have like two E's. <laughs> and this whole this whole time that he's he's back home, you know, Tokyo, I I felt like had a pretty had a pretty strong kind of like ghost town feel to it that I don't think it would have in real life. Yeah, you know, it's all yeah. it's all white. The people are you know standing still and in the shadows. It very much feels surreal. Yeah, it definitely yeah. does. And then, yeah. and then when the latter half of the episode sort of kicks in and we start getting, you know, there's big old Tyrannomons and stuff that show up right by his apartment building and start fucking shit up. Uh, yeah, there's like nobody around. Really. Uh, it's just like, it's still very empty. And then the, the Digimon that show up themselves fuck up shit for about two seconds and then they fade away and they disappear and it's very confusing. So it sort of adds to this weird uh, kind of ethereal feeling that this whole se- sequence has. Yeah, it. I mean, they add to that, too, with Ty's house seemingly being empty and the doors unlocked. Mm, yeah. Like he comes in and, and the doors unlocked and nobody's home. And, you know, we find out later his sister pops out from a room, but it certainly adds to that weird derelict. Um, yeah, it kind of gave me a feeling like uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the, the Langoliers. That uh, Stephen right. King story, yeah. you know, where it's like they got stuck in some sort of weird limbo and they're they're just in like a big empty airport and it slowly starts disappearing from the edges. And like there's these creepy monsters. It, it gave me that feeling until we actually found out the truth of what was going on. And we met Kari and his mom called and all that sort yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So then the Tyrannomon shows up, as we mentioned, and Ty goes out to to meet him in battle. Uh, he uh, tells Kari to wait. 
right? That's where we're at. Well, yep. yeah. Although also something I wanted to bring up was that there's a signal um, from the computer. Oh, right. Oh, right. Izzy. It goes all fuzzy and then suddenly Izzy appears on the computer uh, shouting like crazy stuff like, don't come back, don't come back. Uh, It's really bad. Like things are things suck and we don't need you, which I got to say, if they were trying to get rid of Ty, uh, that is a great (laughs) excuse. (laughs) They're like, oh, man. Oh, things are super. No, no, no. Tell him, tell him, tell him not to come back. (laughs) Yeah, it's real bad. Oh, Oh, we're breaking up. (laughs) Oh, breaking up. Oh, please don't ever come back. We'll be so brave. If you guys picked up on this or not. But uh, Izzy's face was pretty monotone. Agreed. It looked very and, odd, like it was some yeah, sort of. Yeah, I'm uh, not positive. This is. I'm not positive. This is. This is Izzy. Yeah, it seemed like a fake situation. Especially uh, if we just saw Datamon clone clone our sweet girl Sora. Yep. Oh, and yeah. they brought that part back in the recap. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. I had some the... real red flags on that. I agree. My flags yeah. were red as <laughs> f. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I like I like that right before all the Tyrannomon shit shows up that we were just talking about. Uh, Ty Ty gets into this really fucked up mental space where he keeps thinking like I can't I don't know how to get back to the digital world, so I can't help my friends. They're clearly having trouble. Is he just sent a distress message? This world is getting fucked up here on Earth, and I can't figure out how to get my Digivice working and make Coromon evolve again. And I can't help out. I don't know what the fuck even to do. And uh, Andy, that was awesome. Pokemon evolve. <laughs> do you do you know how high my hackles are right now, Rory? You know how mad I am at you. <laughs> my, my my whiskers are all the way out. <laughs> my fangs are bared. <laughs> I'm so oh god, I'm am, my I'm, back is arched and I'm <laughs> spitting venom. I'm so mad at you. Um. But yes, that was a good moment. It's a cool moment. A nice little moment. Okay, so the the last bits that we get, um, he goes out and he tries to fight Coromon sort of one-on-ones and Ogremon that shows up. And uh, they Still kind to... of very unclear if that's the Ogremon or an Ogremon. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we ever get a concrete answer about, about guys like that, about guys that are kind of more character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the assumption in this case were that they were just sort of some Digimon. They were just yeah, yeah, just some Digimon. Yeah. And uh, then we we get Coromon to evolve back into Agumon. Uh to Digivolve back into Agumon. Well there was a I wanted to say yeah, he did, but there was a cool little bit of um storytelling that happens where they're trying to figure out why the Ogremon isn't attacking. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And and it was sort of linked to the cross the crosswalk light. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so, when it turns when it turned walk then he could attack and when it turned uh stop he had to stop yeah i thought that was very interesting and when i think back to it uh all of these digimon that have been showing up in the real world are uh they're a little off in terms of their color uh mm-hmm. the the tyrannomon that is is like a super red looking tyrannomon and the ogremon is a very green looking ogremon and the dromogamon that shows up is a very blue dromogamon mm-hmm. and so i'm wondering if like it has anything to do with like the Japanese signal lights with red, green, and bl- like, or or not not regular not Japanese signal lights, but like, because that that makes no sense. But like lights, you know, red, green, mm-hmm. blue. Like I don't know if there's some sort of color thing going on. And the 
the green uh, the green ogreman was waiting there for the crossing light, and then the crossing light turned green, and he was able to run across the street. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck's I going would on. I guess there. this is a bit. Uh, this is a bit of kind of cool ideas that they had at the time that they probably can't reliably keep going. Like uh-huh. every single Digimon can't really be attached to some electronic device and and have sure. its behavior metered in some way to reflect that. Yeah. But it was a cool yeah, little tidbit. That this they were time. trying to maybe suggest it with that with that mm-hmm. moment. Yeah, I think so. I think that's what they were trying to go for, and I and I, I feel like they're not going to be able to keep it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If they're kind of like have... with Digimon eating to Digivolve, it's like every, you're going to have to stop and show food every time. He's like, no, we'll get over it. Although it took them way too long to get over it. Yeah, yeah, and it could be that they're spawning in these metropolitan areas because they're more connected oh, to the more, internet. Yeah, that would be they're cool. More like digitally connected yeah it's like it's closer it's a it's their their places that are kind of the two worlds touch touch more could be yeah yeah uh right so they fight and this giant portal opens uh back to the digi world chases him out the door Mm -hmm. and kari's like i don't want you to go and she comes out as adorable oh she's so cute and uh they have a really sad moment where ty is like floating up through the portal and he's like i gotta go after agumon i gotta go save my friends and she's like i know you have to go and he's like floating up and holding her hand and she's standing and then they like eventually can't hold on to each other anymore and they get separated and he flies up into the sky and she's super sad uh yeah throw out everything you thought about ty i felt something you guys did you want to make (laughs) me feel something yeah yeah, the hand slowly slipping out him, of her grasp. Him and Kari kind of give best cold. give best siblings yeah. uh, give Matt and TK a, a run for their money. <laughs> yeah, we're uh, cutest siblings. Uh, yeah. Kari TK is my new OTP, I guess. Uh, <laughs> younger siblings get together. Let's do this. Um, yeah, I I really liked that episode. It was cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I love it when these when these heavily form formula shows just like throw all that formula out the window and really low action too, right? Like, yeah, a little bit of a fight at the end and a pretty cool little one. I, I like it when this is the second time we've seen like Coromon or Patamon go into battle and kind of just give it their all, even though they suck they're bubbles. Yeah. Yeah. You also realize how much like damage these Digimon can cause when they're not right. in a completely uh you know fair and landscape yeah that has no like human cost like as soon as they're at like, uh-huh. destroying half of an apartment complex it's like holy shit pepper yeah. breath pepper breath is pretty powerful i guess you know or things like <laughs> yep yeah when there's yeah yeah but then okay then we got a big reveal as soon as ty leaves that. Oh yeah, there's another Digivice. Yeah. Oh yeah, well, I love, got a Digivice. I love that Ty, like, in his sort of voiceover moment, just spoils the fuck out of our future plot. He's like, mm-hmm. Oh, I know. Oh no, I had to say goodbye to Kari. But hey, she's gonna find her own way to the Digimon real soon. And you're like, God damn it! Why couldn't I have just seen that in an episode or two from now? Like, would have been a cool reveal. And you know what this show really needed was another two main characters. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I can't wait. Uh, that is Digimon Adventure. Uh, hey, Austin. Yeah, Andy. Uh, first off, how are you? I'm doing just fine and dandy. Yeah? You comfy? I'm sitting sitting great. <laughs> nice. Cool. Great. That's really good to hear. Uh, let's talk about sponsors. Uh, we've got one. 
Uh, I mean, we have a million of them because people really love pumping money into this show. This show is flying off the shelves, my friends. <laughs> Those physical copies we put out. Yeah. Um, can you tell me about our newest sponsor, uh, Edible Boyfriends? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. Have I got a friend for you. That's their <laughs> slogan. That's how they, they introduce it. Edible Boyfriends answers that age-old question, can I eat it? <laughs> and that's what the people at Edible Boyfriends are trying to do, is they're trying to give you both a hunk and a snack all in one, trying to say, look, can I can I get my belly full? And can I, can I also be sated by the admiration of a man? And <laughs> thankfully, the it, Edible Boyfriends can do both. How do Are there different you, flavors? Do you ask. You probably, yeah, you probably may be asking, how does this all work? Well, uh, the answer is skeletons. <laughs> That's right, skeletons. Please go on. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No. The I get. I just sort of thought that. <laughs> I thought that kind of like cleared it up right there. But there's so many skeletons out there. Like people ain't doing nothing with skeletons, and they decided to cover them in candy, and. <laughs> When you have candied bones and then you put some sort of cosmetic applications on top, you know, you throw some hay, a little bit of like sticks and rocks, uh, roll them down a cliff. You kind of get like a natural buildup of, of uh, you know, matter mm -hmm. <laughs> on the skeleton. And so what you do is you get your get your edible boyfriend, you hang out with them. So they're made of candy and twigs, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but so the, the, the patented secret is that you can't eat them until you've sort of spent enough time with them for all the dirt and the exterior to sort of rub away. And so once all of that is sort of deteriorated, then you get to the... From, from vigorous friction. <laughs> right, from vigorous friction or just from cuddles, taking baths together, the kind of stuff you do with a boyfriend, then you get to that sweet candy bone center. And... <laughs> The rest, I believe, is history. What is what is uh, what is boy bone taste like? It's it's uh, sugared whispers is mm. the name of their like official flavor. <laughs> sugar whispers. It's sugared whispers. So uh, be sure to try all the different flavors of edible boyfriend. Uh, sugared whispers is sort of their like original flavor, um, but there's also uh, pretzel nachos. There's uh, Wild West. <laughs> There's uh, <laughs> uh, several group, like several Groupons. Yum. Uh, and Sturgeon. Sturgeon. That's the flavor, yes. So be sure to pick up your edible boyfriends today. All right, we uh, we wanted to talk about some Sailor Moon next, and we watched episode eighteen, which is called "Worth a Princess's Ransom." Uh, and the blurb, the synopsis goes as follows: Princess Diamond is in town, and she is going to have a ball where she shows off her imperial crystal. Luna and Queen Beryl find out about this and believe that Princess Diamond might be the princess of the moon, and she might have the legendary Imperium Silver Crystal. Neflite enters the ball and once again uses Molly to his advantage, but the Sailor Scouts and Tuxedo Mask are also there to try and find out about the crystal. So I think we need to be very clear about something up front. Yes. Princess Diamond, her father is not a king. I don't, I don't know what her status is 
Is he King Diamond then? If that was true? <laughs> Hello, I, I am King so. Diamond. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think her first name is literally Princess. But like Well, so in the Japanese I see her as Princess Daya, which is also I mean it's pretty close to Diamond. Or Princess but kind Diana. of a little Yeah, vaguely Princess right. Diana, yeah. She also I mean, looks like Lady Melvin. <laughs> yeah. You know no, what I'm finding starts Melvin to work really red. well for me? Like when it comes to info dump that has to happen in these kinds of procedural shows. Yeah. It's just Serena shows up to school and Melvin screams it at them. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what I heard? It's the plot of the episode. <laughs> you guys! <laughs> Look, it saves time. It's efficient. It is. There's a cruise boat in town, and it's got seven princesses on it, and I want to go see. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, so what he tells them is that she's the heiress to the largest jewel collection ever. Uh, And all the jewelers have been invited to a ball. It's so weird. (laughs) What does Serena's dad do? Serena's dad gets an invite from work. Like, who the fuck are they inviting to this gala? Yeah, I don't know. He's showing up to take pictures. It's a gala. It's like they also they go to the embassy, right? They go to the embassy for this like regal thing. But I don't I don't understand. Like, yeah, they don't treat her father like a king. Like he's just kind of like also there to introduce the princess. But it's clear that they're a big deal. Like, I, I, I imagine in the original Japanese, they were trying to imply that she actually literally was a princess of another country because they have those shots well, of, like, the police stopping all the cars and searching cars and stuff. Like, yeah. it's clearly well, a big Diana deal. was still, you know, still around at the time. So it could have yes. been a, a pretty clear allegory, like a kind of a knockoff Lady Di. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I mean, maybe, I don't know, maybe the guy who was there wasn't actually her dad. Yeah. And just sort of assume mm. this this episode felt heavily cut to me. It actually it was it was pretty hard to follow. I, I had that same. That's why I tried to rewatch it again this morning. Yeah, it wasn't. It's pretty aside from a couple egregious moments that we'll get to when we get there. Uh, by and large, the the content of this episode was not messed with very much. Really? Yeah. I, the one thing I noted that I didn't see in the episode was when I read a synopsis of it on Wikipedia on the like list of Sailor Moon episodes. It said mm-hmm. that. Serena also drank too much wine. At that's the party. a moment. Like, that's a moment at the very end. Okay. That is a one scene moment at the very end that we can and talk was about. That cut or was it? It was, in it, it was. It was edited and reshifted and made to look like a dream. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Well, then we'll talk about that. Mm-hmm. But uh, so so yeah. What's the so Molly? Remember Molly's mom runs a jewelry store, which I had forgotten. But we went there like yeah, was episode 15 one. episodes ago. Um, and so she's got a ticket. So Molly's going to go. And so then we have this other side plot of her sort of rekindling this. beside herself at being excluded from such a prestigious <laughs> event full of princes. And yeah, because clearly also, she belongs. When Molly has her flashback, she's having these flashbacks of when she like hung out with Neflite when she was under his thrall. And she was supposed to forget but she mm-hmm. wasn't fully forgetting. Although I realized that Neflite's voice when he's like fake tuxedo mask, he was going like full Vegeta <laughs> from Dragon Ball. He was like, you will get me now, Molly. It was Kakarot. Yeah, it was it was whole full Vegeta. Yeah. Uh, 
so she's got some ish going on. But then when she gets to the party, her and Maxfield Stanton, uh, a.k.a. Neflight, have another really uncomfortable fling B plot. Yeah. Um, but the 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 whole reason that the Sailor Scouts get involved is because, like I said in the synopsis, they're still looking for this nebulous moon princess. And the moon princess supposedly has this silver Imperium crystal. And so a princess shows up with a crystal and it makes Luna and Queen Beryl sort of be like, is that the one? And so they yeah. have to go investigate. So here's an interesting thing about the crystal uh, in the, well, Sailor Moon crystal. <laughs> right. Unsurprisingly, from the very first episode of Sailor Moon crystal, they are all about talking about the legendary silver crystal. That's mm-hmm. like that's like 80 percent of the words they say. In Sailor Moon Crystal is like talking about <laughs> that's what Queen Beryl wants. She wants the legendary silver crystal. They like have it and they've got to protect it. And so they finally sort of get around to it in this one. But I think it could have benefited from, you know, maybe mentioning it a little bit from the beginning. Yeah, it would have it could have been a really cool episode because I, I think what we're kind of the tone we're going for is this sort of, you know, gang of fools all kind of tripping over each other to get the gem. Mm. Um, in the plot of that, I think got got swept up in how much how much messiness happens throughout. I don't know if it's just a matter of of continuity or or sequence, but it was pretty hard to follow the 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 beat by beat action once we once we're in the ball. Yeah, yeah, especially because the face blindness in this episode is so bad. It is <laughs> an egregious count of. Okay, Serena's in a disguise, and her her own father can't recognize her, but she's not. Her yeah. face is the same. She's just wearing yeah. a better dress, and everyone's like, who is that? And Tuxedo Mask is also wearing slightly different formal wear, and they don't know it's Tuxedo <laughs> Mask. And, like, it's it's hard to follow in the sense that, like, okay, I need to know who actually can tell who's who. Yeah. Because it's not clear since they just look exactly the same. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's such a weird thing that I hadn't really like thought about specifically. But uh, throughout this whole episode, Tuxedo Mask himself is getting kind of confused. We, we, we get revealed uh, that he's been or Darian, I guess, Darian and Tuxedo Mask have both been having dreams where they see what is obviously Serena in kind of a silhouette and her going, you have to find the, um, the silver Imperium crystal and then we'll be together again. And he's like, who the hell is that woman? I need to find her. Are you her? And like, you know, is, is dancing with Serena at the ball and all this other stuff. So there's already like four layers of people not knowing who each other are. Right. It's, it's (laughs) Darian dreaming. But mm-hmm. then he becomes Tuxedo Mask like a werewolf when Serena's in trouble. And then as Tuxedo Mask, he doesn't know who he is. Darian doesn't know that he's Tuxedo Mask. It's mm-hmm. it's kind of chaos right now. And if we if we assume that Serena herself is the moon princess, right? Which I right. feel like is a thing yeah. or is a probable thing. Then oh, she, she... I, had, I had assumed you for whatever reason that you couldn't be Sailor Moon and the moon princess. Well, I think it's uh, it's clear based on uh, well, I, I watched some of the other like the correct version, the, the non deke dub version oh, of I this see. episode, and some of the lines in it imply that Serena herself is having memories of like, oh, I remember being kissed by him before. Why mm. do I remember that? Right. Right. 
So like, yeah. it's clear that we're building towards that. So it's it, there's like yet another thing where Serena herself doesn't even know that she's a reincarnation of like this moon princess situation. I mean, maybe I'm wrong about that. I don't know, but it it, it seems heavily implied. So yeah, there's a lot of that going around, and then to have a masked ball on top of it is really difficult. Yeah, uh, no kidding though. Okay, so before we get to the ball, there's a couple fun moments I wanted to talk about. Um, yeah. There's a bit so Beryl is t- sending Nephlight again to go look into this Princess Diamond situation, and Zoisite is like, "What the fuck? Why are you still using him?" And we actually get to see her slash his, because remember, Zoisite is actually a man in the original version. Uh, boyfriend Malachite for the very first yeah. time, so we get like who, a, a future villain vision here. Who pets them like a dog? <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's it's a very strange. Seems like an unhealthy relationship. Mm-hmm. But you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna not gonna yuck their yum, right? Uh, but it it doesn't seem great. You know, like they're just sitting in a throne and then like petting their face like a dog as they're like bowed over. Yeah, it's a little odd. But I mean, to be fair, uh, historical like Japanese anime, especially manga, like depiction of homosexual relationships has not always been necessarily the most healthy thing in the world. Uh, they, they frequently get a little fetishistic about it for, uh, you know, to make, to titillate women. Mm-hmm. Right? right. I mean, that's like generally the, the goal of, of the, the sort of yaoi genre. Uh, and so to sort of have a hint of that and have a very clear power dynamic is kind of par for the course on that. Sure. I think. Yeah. Um, we got a sick burn from uh, oh from shit, we Zoocyte did. to Zoocyte to uh, J- uh not Jadeite, uh, Nephlight, where he says, uh, oh, I thought she asked for warriors, not losers. Which is <laughs> <laughs> very good. It's always great to hear a demon call another demon a loser. <laughs> it just seems very like irreverent about it. Like when they're all very, usually very like, ah, yes, the power of the crystal and the human energy. And to hear one of them just be like, but you're a loser. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I am always such a big fan of really mild um, name calling said with, you know, like fierce vitriol. (laughs) Yes, it's very good. That comes up a lot (laughs) in children's entertainment. It does. Uh, My my actual favorite sick burn of this week uh, they're talking, the, the Sailor Scouts get together and talk about how they're tr- going to try to get into the event. And Serena's like, we don't even have invitations. And Ray gets really mad at her. And yes, he's like, what? Yes. Y- you got noodles inside that head of yours to go with the meatballs? <laughs> We're the Sailor Scouts. <laughs> uh, I, I wrote that down immediately and I was very tickled. I, I fucking think, love you it. You know, I am, I'm touched by any sort of meatball humor that is thrown <laughs> Any sort of spaghetti Yeah, whenever we call her out on her spaghetti girl nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then I think spaghetti Serena... girl nonsense is a strong contender for episode title. <laughs> <laughs> Although we did use spaghetti and meatball model not too long ago. We, we did. did, but I love we the did. spaghetti it's shit. Just the spaghetti humor is great. Uh, so Serena, <laughs> Serena cries after that. Oh, and so then hard. Luna at some point pulls out like peak old lady. And t- said Serena, like, you've got to take this more seriously. You can't just worry about chocolate milkshakes. <laughs> like, oh, do you kids 
care about is getting your chocolate milkshakes. <laughs> you can't spend every minute at the malt shop. <laughs> yeah, basically. Like, that's basically what she's doing. Oh, God. I love it. Well, she had a she had another one of my favorite burns in this episode uh, because Serena, of course, realizes that her main way to get into this ball is to use Luna's magic disguise pen. Yeah, and which you know Luna has no patience for. No shenanigans, <laughs> no. like just using the disguise pen for shenanigans. No, she is not on it on that that boat. And Serena says, turn me into the foxiest femme around. <laughs> and she kind of comes out looking like a fancy princess peach. Uh, with a nice little pink parasol. And she goes, how do I look? And Luna goes, turn around. And she does. And she goes, fine. <laughs> <laughs> like, she's clearly incredibly pretty and in all this, like, beautiful yeah. gown. And Luna, all Luna says is, fine. <laughs> uh, you cannot get mom's approval. Never. <laughs> Yeah, uh, she goes as Countess Popover, <laughs> and she's coming in to scope out the food and the guys. Oh, my God. It's, uh, do you think Popover is like a, a, a weird joke on, like, Popova? Like, oh, probably. If the Lady Daya was sort of supposed to be kind of on point, oh. uh, you're probably not Ryan. I, I took it as a, it a sort of slight reference. pun on po- Oh, that too. I took it as like popping in, like because oh. she's pop. Like popovers yeah. are like pastries. Yes, that's true too. But um, it could be, yeah, it could be a pop- some combination of all three. It could be very yeah. well. Could it be a very well written joke that maybe just yeah. went over our heads? Yeah, maybe we're not smart enough for Deke's Sailor Moon dub. I think that every time I watch it, <laughs> just trying to like grapple with this like Sorkinian. Uh, deep, deep content. <laughs> uh, okay, so we actually get to the ball, uh, or this, whatever we want to call it. It is a ball. Uh, and yeah, she uses this fake name and just sort of waltzes right in because she's pretty. And Maxfield Stanton is there and he goes up to Molly and he's like trying to get her to dance with him. And she's like, I don't dance very well. And he's like, you expect me to believe that? Someone as lovely and graceful as you? And she goes, you yeah. really think that? <laughs> you think I'm graceful? <laughs> you really think that? <laughs> you think I'm graceful? <laughs> this fucking Molly character is so out of control. Uh. <laughs> I'm on board it is so, so wonderful. <laughs> oh, I love that voice actress, even though it's so grating. I love it. Yeah. Uh, but they have this whole weird little like tete-a-tete thing. Like he takes her out to the balcony and they have this really inappropriate. Like how old is he supposed to be? He's clearly an adult and she's like 14. And Yeah, but I, I, mean, I had that sort of same complaint with, with Serena's men in yeah. her life. There seems to be a pretty strong age difference to me. But That's true. I, yeah. I yeah. think it's kind of part of what you were talking about before, of the, the titillating of kind of projecting these men as um, less Melvin and more fully grown sexual objects. Yeah, I mean, basically the only her only real like male peer is Melvin. So yeah. I get it. I get it. Um, I don't, I don't even know how to bring this up because it's a visual comment. 
Uh, I was just looking at the episode just now, and there is a background character that's drawn in. It's like a, a normal-looking fancy woman, but it looks like she's got big old angular sunglasses on, and her mouth looks like they've superimposed an actual human mouth on the drawing. Yeah. It's terrifying, and I'm going to try and find a way to put this in the liner notes somehow, so uh, yes, keep an give, eye out on give, that. Give it to us, please. <laughs> anyway, we can move on from that. I just really need other people to see it. Uh yeah, so they have a whole thing, and then he puts a demon version of himself inside of Molly, uh, which is super It's kind of a weird gross. metaphor for... Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. What that sailor says, like, sometimes you shouldn't trust strangers and, like, don't yeah. go places that make you uncomfortable. Like, Yeah, don't trust hunks. If you feel scared, then, you know, follow that instinct and get the fuck out. Uh, <laughs> if yeah, they try and so put he... their demon selves inside of you. Yeah, he implants <laughs> himself into... Into you know, Molly. into Molly. Oh, and uh, phrasing. And then, and then Molly goes in. She just kind of immediately gets access to the princess because she's like, "I need to talk to the princess." Because so <laughs> no, like, she's yeah, graceful. Right. Yeah, all right, sounds good to me. So they let her in, Nothing even though here. she sounds like an evil monster. And and then she immediately like the spirit like jumps from her to the princess. And the princess we should we should mention is clearly like she's got some sort of like crowd anxiety about talking to people and she's got Melvin glasses and she really uh, doesn't want people to see her. And I think the reason that Molly gets in is because she's hired a doppelganger for herself to That's go do this right. event. She's right. going to mm. go do this event. And so she's hired like an agency to get like a doppelganger to do this public speaking arrangement situation. And so Molly shows up and she's got the same color hair. And so she's like, oh, wow, the, the agency did a great job. And then she gets demon whammied. Um, and she goes super evil. And uh, shit goes really south for the rest of the episode, like very fast. Um, Tuxedo Mask is there. They're having a dance with Serena. Uh, which we, we talked about earlier. He sort of is like, oh, you look like the girl in my dream. And she's like, oh, my God, it's Tuxedo Mask. Like, because she clearly recognizes that it's him even, with, even without his hat. Uh, even in his slightly different how? tuxedo. <laughs> 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 um, yeah. Yeah. What else? What else? Uh, like, I, I want to get to that balcony moment because I have a lot to talk about right there. Yeah. But that's kind of the, the climax of the episode. That's that's pretty much all I got. Um. So this balcony moment, uh, she, the, the, the evil princess gets the, the crystal and Maxfield Stanton is down on the ground level. He's exited and he's looking up at the balcony and he's like, throw it down to me and it's going <laughs> to happen. And Serena gets in the way and she's like, what are you doing? You can't do that. And then she gets pushed off the balcony and Tuxedo Mask shows up and like dives off the balcony to grab her. And then, you know, of course we have this classic, like. He's holding on to her, and they're gonna. She's gonna drop like six stories if he lets go. How often? How often does this happen? Too many times. Too many times. He's, he's just a human ladder to her. <laughs> <laughs> Not but just because she wants to climb him. There is a. There is a real. So, if you recall watching this dubbed version, what happens at the end of that sequence is that. Uh, the the scouts show up and they distract Neflite from fucking with it, and then he pulls Serena back up, and they are fine. Uh, what they've done there is they've reversed the footage of her falling over the balcony to then have her coming right back over the balcony, I the knew right something side. Something was weird going on there. 
Uh, because and I don't know why they cut this. Maybe they just thought that her falling was too spooky and scary for kids. But mm-hmm. they, uh, in the original version, her glove comes off. She falls. Tuxedo Mask like dives after her and he falls. But Luna chucks the parasol down and then she grabs the parasol and then it opens and they both float down comically with this p- open parasol and they're fine what? on the ground. Why did they, I mean, if they just needed to cut for time, like if they just needed commercial time, that's I guess. Such a, still such a weird cut. Let's it's, just reverse it. Let's just have her reverse fall. Yeah. And that'll look fine it's if it's very, quick enough. Very odd. I thought that was very a very strange edit. Um, yeah. It was a thing that passed so quickly, though, that I my brain registered something was weird about that. And then I, you know, <laughs> the next thing happened. So I kind of forgot, but. Well, and I think old know. shitty cartoons like Hanna-Barbera cartoons have trained us in some ways to sort of forgive weird animation moments because we, you know, those sixties yeah. and seventies cartoons were just full of co- uh, corner cutting. Oh yeah. And so we kind of expect some of that. And so I think we, we, you know, we turn our brain off a little bit when we see those. Now, Andy, can you tell us a little more about this, like, final scene that was yes. edited to be a dream? So what we see in the dub, uh, the American version, or I mean, I guess it was a Canadian production, but it doesn't really matter. The, the, the North American version of this show, uh, at the conclusion of everything, they get rid of, they get rid of the demon, everything's fine. And the princess shows off the crystal, and Nephlite is like, ah, oh, fuck, it's not the one that I wanted. And... Serena is then shown like with a combination of some voiceover and like weird cuts. It seems like she's having a dream about tuxedo masks sort of approaching her on the balcony at the party and kissing her and then sort of going like, ah, even if it's only in my dreams, it's wonderful or something. Right. We're just sort of passing that moment off like it was some sort of weird dream. There is a weird moment that we see where he's kind of like she looks sort of out of it and he's like laying her against a pillar and then he leans down to kiss her. Um, right. And that's an artifact of the real thing that happens, which is that Serena's just happy about having killed the demon and she's at the party and she's like, oh, look, juice and picks up like a martini <laughs> 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 and just fucking one shot downs this martini and then is like, that's good juice <laughs> and then falls backwards against tuxedo mask. And he sort of like takes her out to the balcony and leans her against the thing. And she's sort of like, Meh. and he says like, oh, I'm remembering more. I feel like we've kissed before. And then he leans down and kisses her. And then she sort of has this like voiceover inner thought moment of like, I think I've kissed him too. I think I've kissed him many, many times. And it fades out and the episode's over. So like, it's a real kiss. Like the episode title in Japanese is like something, something Usagi's first kiss. Like, okay. yeah, but you could also see the need to walk it back. Cause she didn't know she just got drunk. Yep. Oh yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, look, not only is it, bad that you have your main character drinking alcohol it's you know doubly weird that they're they're about to lecture you about like not (laughs) hanging out with strange men where you feel uncomfortable Uh and literally you know 10 seconds before that she was kissing a a man when she was drunk yes uh you know or a man is kissing her when she is you know drunk by not her own choice so yeah the sailor says content almost seems like a a direct reaction to how they edited this episode yeah (laughs) like a little bit like ooh, it's funny how Mm. the um the edit juice and (laughs) for all of its um 
sort of foibles with other kind of modern progressive feminism has been kind of on point when it comes to consent. Like it's held up. Yeah. Yeah. They haven't they haven't given us except for Melvin. Ugh. Melvin. Except for that Melvin episode, which I have to think was just a writer who just kind of ran ran too far upstream with that shit. Yeah. Because they've never uh, taken Melvin to such extremes ever again. Well, and they, yeah. they cut the episode with the most egregious Melvin content. Right. Right. Like the one where he goes like all badass leather jacket and smacks people. And yeah. Um, yeah. So the upshot, of course, of the episode is that they find out that she's not the moon princess. And uh, they're like, ha ha ha, what a hilarious misunderstanding. And then everything's all hunky dory. Um, Definitely the de- hunky. Oh, super hunky. <laughs> that that demon was uh, just a classic tiara chuck to vanquish it. Yeah. Uh, nothing super yeah, special. Yeah, because it wasn't like because it, it wasn't like a real entity. It was just like a weird phantom version of Nephlite that we haven't seen. Yeah. Used before it. Could, I mean, it could be some extension of his ability to like possess, you know, or to put magic things on people. But it was a little unexplained. Mm hmm. But yeah, yeah, you know, that's all I got. Yeah, I liked it, but yeah, it's yeah. There's a few missed it's a bit opportunities. Bit of a mess, here. but yeah, it had some good, it had some good gems. It had yeah. some gems, some some diamonds in the rough. Yeah, yeah. I'm just so ready for more of these secrets to be revealed, uh, so that yes. we can finally get rid of this ridiculous not knowing, this like Clark Kent Superman <laughs> scenario of you know, change a slight thing about you and nobody knows who you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So while I'm with you on the face blindness, it's both kind of visually frustrating and confusing. I do like while he doesn't know, like for a while I was with you because I assumed he understood what he was doing as Darian and as Tuxedo Mask. But I am intrigued by his, his kind of like werewolf rules version of yeah. Tuxedo Mask. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. But yeah. I think other aspects are are pretty frustrating right now. Sure, so be nice to uh, to get that get that over with. Cool, cool, cool. Next, next. Hey, Rory. Ooh, yeah. Hey, Austin. Rory, uh, I am overjoyed to ask you about something and hear you talk about it because I want to know about one of our coolest and freshest new sponsors. Fresh from fresh off the block, it's our brand new sponsor. Yeah, and that's Bird Tape. Uh, Bird Tape is the brand new uh, single album from a hot new a hot new recording artist, um, Two Cheese. Is <laughs> <laughs> that a new album from the, Two Cheese? <laughs> the new album from Two Cheese. Bird Tape is his first attempt at a theme album. He talks about all of his all of his bird problems in the first part. And starts revol- resolving them uh, through various pranks and uh, and contraptions, uh, as he one by one, in, through song, hunts the birds that have tormented him through his <laughs> through his ups and downs in in the the heat of the Brooklyn summer. So is this like a two disc affair? So like the first disc is bird, and the other half is tape. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you've got it. You hit it square on the head. It's bird slash tape. Yeah, I was gonna say there's a slash there. <laughs> so he's got songs like uh, "No No More Crows" and "Rooster Be Gone" and uh, "Taping Up Your Robins." <laughs> uh, do you do you remember any of the lyrics to "Taping Up Your Robins"? Any of the Robins? lyrics? 
<laughs> I know you got that bird in there chirping at four in the morning. I'm coming in your house and I'm taping up your robins. <laughs> I got to sleep. I got a job. We can't all be having weird birds in a house. There's no business for having robins in Brooklyn in the hop. <laughs> I'm taping up your robins. Taping up your robins in the hot Brooklyn summer. Man, I gotta run out to my nearest t- <laughs> Tower Records and pick one or, or Sam Goody. Pick up a tape. Yeah. Pick or up go to an FYE. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's that's Two Cheese's new album, Bird Tape. Can't wait. Thanks, Rory. Hey, thank you. <laughs> Let me talk about Bird Tape. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, welcome to season one, episode eight of Silverhawks, the threat of Jarrett. The Silverhawks protect an alien ambassador from the mob, which wants to prevent the signing of a peace treaty. And that synopsis is short and sweet, a little vague, but I don't know how much synopsis we really need for... uh, yeah, for hey, the show. you know, it's weird that, that the synopsis left out the name of the alien race trying to make <laughs> the peace treaty. Can you tell us what that was real quick? Oh, it's the Triangulons. <laughs> <laughs> and the rest of the podcast will just be us giggling. Oh, 100%, we're going to just spend the rest of the time talking about the Triangulons. Yeah, the Triangle people of Triangulon. <laughs> Oh shit! They come okay. to Hawk Haven for a, I've for seen a peace some bad summit. world building in my time. But <laughs> okay, these guys—they're like they're all okay. So we only see two of them, right? Is that correct? We don't see more yeah. than okay. So we no, only right, see two, two of them from this small sample size. I have to assume they're all male and they're all fat. Um, they're triangle shaped. They're, they're triangle shaped. They're kind of triangles. They've got like big emblems on their chests that look like for all the world like the Triforce. From yeah, Zelda. Also some like little like general like military medals, but they're little triangles. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's fucking triangles. Everything is triangles. They're and we are triangulons. We are told <laughs> the show. We're told that the triangulons rule the far side of the universe. And I feel like that's just a missed opportunity to call it the hypotenuse of the universe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. And their spaceship has a hilarious yellow triangle on top. It does. <laughs> yeah. And apparently they have incredibly powerful laser technology. Um, yeah. Their lasers are hot. They've Can't, got the hottest I... lasers in the... <laughs> this side of the triangle. This side of the triangle. Can I be? I can't be the only one who got like bad Star Trek vibes from this episode. Absolutely. I mean, right? the, like, the the whole plot of the episode is that they are trying to protect an ambassador from signing to sign a peace treaty. That is like the most next generation plot that you could come up with. Right. And the end of the alien race is Yulons. Yes. You know, I mean, it was like getting Klingon, Romulan, you know, whatever fucking alien race in the week. Andorian. Yeah, it was it was like and I don't know if this came. I I don't think this was when Next Gen came out. I think Next Gen started after this. But yeah, I think it was like like 89, right? Original series, you know. Right. uh, It was like clearly, clearly pulled a lot of influence from that of that basic plot of we're not being oh. the warlike people 
in this scenario, like we're, you know, TNG we're started to... eighty seven, so this could fully be a ripoff. It's yeah, could be could as be they have were... as they have shown themselves quite willing to rip off other you know other low hanging fruit from eighties culture. Well, this the whole yeah. first moment of this episode is kind of Star Warsy, like the very first moments of A New Hope. Like the shot is just like uh, dramatic music and a slow approach of a very large starship. You know, yeah. There's also a moment where the Mirage is going through an asteroid or going through the the legal limit. No, the, the light year the limit. Li- the light year limit, and the music sounds almost exactly like the asteroid belt music. John Williams is Star oh, yeah. Wars, uh, Millennium Falcon going through the asteroid belt. Yeah, they've music. This is not like, the, this wouldn't be the first time they ripped off Star Wars tunes either. Not at yeah. all. Yeah, but it's it's very evocative of both Trek and Wars in this episode. And it's just completely fucking ridiculous. Uh, uh, so, did we, yeah, did so, we mention yet that they are uh, they are called the Triangulons? Yeah. Did, did they're, we called, they're, they're called Triangulons. Okay, great. I think so so Munstar has has tasked my 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 big yellow boy, Molecular, <laughs> to infiltrate the... Our puffy my puffy baby. yellow prince, Molecular. <laughs> mm, you're my puffy baby. Uh, okay, Munstar's whole involvement in this is stupid because all that it seems like is that he's just upset by the idea of a peace treaty or of, of peace, peace. Yeah. in general. So he's like, no, fuck that. We're going to start a war. And on paper, he says it's because, you know, what this galaxy needs is a good shootout. And when it's over, I'll have limbo all to myself. But like, that that's not going to work. Of course, he's going to get wrapped up in shit. Like, clearly, I mean, Limbo has been functioning on small town rules for every episode, right? I mean, like, this place feels very small, even though it's a whole galaxy. It just seems like a really short-sighted plan. They just needed Minstar to be involved to fuck shit up. So he's just like, no, fuck peace. Yeah, we'll also get into, like, galaxy size later and how long (laughs) it takes to travel places. uh, Because I have some very serious logical concerns um, (laughs) regarding a nine-hour time limit. Oh my god! But uh, yeah, for now, uh, when we, we mean during yeah for space flight for low for slower than light space travel, nine hours gets yeah. you about from Earth to close to Earth, not the Moon. Yeah, close well, to Earth. yeah, we'll we'll get there. But uh, with molecular, when uh. molecular was asked to transform. <laughs> Into like some kind of cab driver, bird robot. He, he, yeah, he was, it's some he was kind of like to, bird insect. He was he was told to turn into a galactic space pilot, which apparently in limbo just means that you're a bug man, a, a <laughs> big a bug boy, beak. a big bird bug boy. And <laughs> as molecular shapeshifts, he literally says his uh, for not the first time in this show. He says his sound effects. Oh, and thank I, God. I'm so glad you brought that up. I normally wouldn't think that. Like, I'd be like, no, that's just a sound effect. But Molecular's mouth moves while this occurs. And no he says, problem. Woo, 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 woo. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to make you think his power's way cooler than it actually is. <laughs> no problem. Woo, woo. <laughs> it's so fucking weird. But they animate his mouth moving, so it's absolutely canon. Also, uh, his, his airtight, like new persona he identifies himself as ensign <laughs> jones, jones. <laughs> my, my name is ensign jones the bugman real person all right seems legit <laughs> there's no check on that he shows up yeah. to pick up the ambassador and they're like all right 
Edson Jones, this bug, the bug man. That sounds perfect. Hey, I'm here to pick up your boy. Well, actually, Bluegrass later is like, hey, I want to pick up your boy. The triangulators seem all too trusting for what are appear what appear to be a, a very you know like uh, warfaring race. Yeah, they're very a very trigger happy. Normally they trust this chirping Ensign Jones, this chirping bird person. <laughs> but then when this when when uh, Jonathan Quick, our other bird person, shows up, <laughs> like he kind of believes everything Jonathan Quick has to say too. Yeah. Like you know for a fact one of these guys fucked you, and I the fact that they, they don't take anything they say with any kind of you know, credulity is odd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It definitely is. Yeah, so, right, the switcheroo happens, and then uh, suddenly the Silverhawks are, all the shit is on them, apparently. Yeah, somehow. For, yeah. For, you know, the Triangulons got duped by the mob, and suddenly it's like, well, look, if you don't bring back our boy in nine, or our ambassador in nine hours... Then we will blow up blow your, up your house. Blow up your house. <laughs> and <laughs> it's such a shitty so, thing to do. <laughs> so yeah, so one thing that I noticed too that I actually that I appreciated was they brought back the the light year limit in this episode, which mm-hmm. they established just the previous episode. And they didn't even explain what it was. Yeah. No. They that's brought a it good back point. in a, I, in a rare moment of continuity. Of like and it was sort of, but it was sort of unclear to me. I thought maybe they were bringing it up to to give a reason why they don't just go to to uh, Brimstar, as mm-hmm. like Brimstar might also be outside the legal light year limit, but that doesn't appear to be the case. Right, right. So I'm not quite sure why they brought it up. Like what narrative yeah. beat it was it was. But providing. I guess I'm coming from like Dinosaurs world where you know none of that would ever happen again like it would get set up in one episode and then be done forever and they might even come up with something that's effectively the same thing but call it something differently Uh, yeah right yeah no kidding and then it's like can you just bring one thing back and to see that happen was was really gratifying yeah absolutely Um, but you know then that was immediately dashed by by like this completely silly episode uh there's a there's a great scene uh, just because of one thing I have given Silverhawks a lot of credit for in the past is if short of anything, it, looking pretty, yeah, like the people mm-hmm. and the lines and the style I I dig, right. Uh, but when Molecular shows up at Brimstar with the Triangulon, <laughs> it feels like a child just drew a ball of bubbles next to a triangle. Yes. It's the yeah. most phoned in animation I think I've ever seen in like the, something the, that made it on air. The walk yeah. cycle is like totally off model and really weird looking. And yeah, it is it <laughs> is low effort doing everywhere. his like whoop whoop whoop. yeah, so it's to, to so it's clear the 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 plan works out and they get the ambassador all the way to Brimstar. Uh, so they've successfully kidnapped him, and Munstar is like, great, now they're not going to be able to sign the, the peace treaty, and there's going to be war. And the rest of the heroes, a.k.a. just Quicksilver and Bluegrass in this episode. Yeah. Uh, there yeah, are no attention called to that. Yeah, it's are just those three two. Are just gone? Yep. Until and not. they're looking, uh, they look in the light year limit, but then uh, Tallyhawk shows up, and Tallyhawk has been scoping out... Uh, 
Brimstar and is like, nope, that's where they are. And they're like, ah, fuck. And so they head over there. And by this point in time, over half of their allotted time is gone. But that's still more than half. It's been about eight hours. (laughs) Well, it takes them eight hours to go from where they were to then get to Brimstar. Yeah. They have an hour left. Mm hmm. It's just, yeah, the the distance thing is a little crazy because they're like, it's explicitly we are told at the beginning of this episode, Quicksilver runs by Bluegrass and is like, hey, let's go to the far side of the galaxy. <laughs> so like, they're 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 traveling very far in only a few hours. It's it's strange. Yeah, it's and all then strange. when they need to when they need to get back in time with the countdown clock, they get back in about ten minutes. Yeah. Also, when when uh, when Bluegrass refers to the name of his guitar about ten times, Ooh, Hot Licks. It really, it really, it really drives home how upsetting the name Hot Licks is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's also a moment where uh, Monstar is sitting around, like in his in his room, and talking to Yes Man, <laughs> and he says, "Yes Man, the screen." Yes, boss. And Yes Man like turns on his TV for him. It's <laughs> <laughs> like the idea of turn on my TV, turn on the screen, turn it on. We had all together too much Yes Man in this episode, though. Yeah. Uh, if I don't know if we've ever done. Have I ever done an impression of Yes Man on this? He sounds like he's, he every everything that he says is, oh, yes, boss. Yes, yes, boss. Of course, boss. That's yeah, every one of his one lines. Note, I would say he's one note, but that's like an insult to one note characters. <laughs> and we, we but he, it's uh, uh, to me, it's funny because he's named his one note. Like <laughs> it's to me, it's funny because it seems so self-aware. No guy. That his, no. Everybody else is named after their power and his power is just being a shameless ass kisser. He's yes, man. <laughs> and he's this like puckering, slithering snake slug. I just feel like I give him, he feels to me, he feels to me like a gag and I'm on board for that gag. He's like the, yeah. the Rick and Morty Jerry slug. <laughs> um, I think that the only way that that whole time limit situation makes sense is that Hawkhaven is literally like neighbors to Brimstar. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Like it's a Hatfield McCoy situation. They're just like on the same property, just shooting at each other across a, a line they've drawn in the in the space sand. Um, because otherwise, yeah, I mean, he gets there. They they show up with at the end, like of course when he succeeds, they show up with ten seconds to spare. Right on on this timer. So otherwise, how did they burn nine hours? You know, like, exactly. were they, did they stop and get like soda? Did they, you know, like, oh, we, we had to look for him at the at the shopping mall. Oh, weird. <laughs> oh, weird. Oh, Is he, he wasn't at Sephora. Uh, oh, did you check in my new check. Louis Vuitton bag? <laughs> uh, um, I where are those triangles at? Uh. I don't want to I don't want to gloss over what I think is actually a really smart writing moment in this episode, because uh, Quicksilver goes down uh, to go find the ambassador in Brimstar and Bluegrass stays up in the ship to distract Melodia and have a another sick music laser battle. Because apparently yeah. she hates she hates the, the musical stylings of Bluegrass and has a full blown meltdown. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but 
hearing his hot licks, hearing him jam with hot licks. <laughs> hot licks. Hot licks. Hula girls. And uh, <laughs> Jonathan is down on the planet, and he is using Tally Hawk to help find, like, to help him navigate, right? So he uses Tally Hawk the whole time, and when he gets there... He finds the ambassador, and then he's using Tallyhawk to find his way out. But unbeknownst to him, Molecular has shapeshifted into Tallyhawk and taken his place. And Tallyhawk, fake Tallyhawk, leads him straight to Munstar. And I think yeah, that's a really it's, smart it's moment. Great, but hold on, though. I have a logic question about that. Because okay. if Molecular can just turn into a Silverhawk, why do they have to build the whole fucking Dark Bird two episodes ago? Why do they have to go through the effort... To build a fake Silverhawk for about 10 seconds of, you know, of a heist when Molecular can just straight up do it. Huh? Well, that's a good question. How come, I, and how come Officer, Officer how Andy? Come? If I had to guess, you know, it kind of comes back to like, we have we haven't seen Monstar do people face yet. He's always done like robot or car. You mean, you mean Molecular? Yes. Yeah, that's true. That's true. We haven't seen him do full on like human face. Though, I mean, he just you can't did just a do human face. <laughs> yeah, he did can't. a full hawk, and he's turned into the floor, which was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I liked like that. He knows he's in trouble with the, with Monstar, and he just turns into the floor. <laughs> <laughs> From a story perspective, though, I thought that was a cool moment where we like we we get a setup, we see him rely on Tallyhawk for navigation through these tunnels, and then we get a a, a, a sort of you know different version of that. Where it, yeah, that's, it's that's worked fair, against her. Yeah. I, I like we, it. I like it a lot. Yeah, it was a lot it was a lot more formidable than the actual fight between Quicksilver and Monstar, who yeah. goes down like a punk. He takes like one laser to the shoulder and he's down. Yeah, blink and you miss it. Um yeah. Yeah, I think this is powerful. A, no, it, it's something we've talked about before where like we've got two problems. One that they haven't figured out we like cool villains, which was just an episode or two ago. Mm-hmm. But also the problem of not being able to kill your enemies, these recurring villains, or at least, it, you know, remove them from their narrative powerful state of power. Right. They yeah. have to just kind of like make a punk out of him and then decide to leave. Like there's, well, they're, they're sort of written in a corner by design. Right, and they can't have any sort of sustained battle that feels worthwhile because there's like a writer in the contract to get one monster transformation in every episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so like they've got to just throw him in there whether it was earned or not. And you know, they still need to have other villains and other conflict to make it interesting, but then they got to throw in monster just to for shits. Yeah. And that that well, you know, that results in having these completely unsatisfying battles. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, so this did, one finishes though. I mean, it it it's yeah. really quick after that. It uh, you know, they get out. Uh, Melodia gets owned. Bluegrass says, and that's the name of that tune. And mm. they truck back home with the ambassador. They had like ten seconds to spare, and then they're like, ah, oh, thanks to the Silverhawks, we'll get to sign the treaty. And then they show all five of them. Um, I think that. This was a fun episode, but I don't know that I can fully say that it was good. Yeah, I gotta say, after the initial tickling, the the and it's a good tickle. Oh, when the, the triangulons. The first five minutes of this episode are are, as Austin might say, kiss kiss delicious. But yeah. uh, <laughs> we got catchphrases. Once the initial jollies fade, it doesn't offer a lot of new tickles. 
yeah, I had three main points for why this episode was good. And, <laughs> and they were triangles. the three points of a triangle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. It's, that's why you're my best friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got sick triangle well, jokes. All right, that's Silverhawks. <laughs> that's Silverhawks. And that's uh, that's where the where the the old Grim Reaper comes around for the end of the episode, <laughs> as he as he usually as he does. tallies the score and comes for what we owe. <laughs> <laughs> comes to, to to reap this the the soul of our episode and. Oh, Mr. Reaper blows his whistle at the end of the night. <laughs> oh, Mr. Reaper he blows his train whistle. <laughs> yeah, and we and we and we hang our heads and board and board the train to Ass Blast Station. <laughs> ass Blast Station. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was that was a fun couple of epies. Yeah, I yeah. I agree. Uh, these these three episodes. Uh, you know, together they formed kind of a uh, a triangle of of fun this week. <laughs> yeah, and I think I don't know. I mean, I really liked the Digimon episode, but like we've talked about before, the kind of uh, plot heavy ones give us a little less goof to talk about. Right. Uh, True. It was that, not goof. It. Uh, yeah. That was evident. I think. Yeah. Uh, that that we you know there was less there was less uh, sort of frivolity in the episode itself. But it was cool. It was a cool episode. It, ma- it gave me a little hope for the future of the show. Right. Uh, it's like we can either have like huge plot elements or we can have triangulons. That's that's kind of the, <laughs> it's kind of the balance. But it's we it, have it's here. nice for variety's sake, you know, because like we've said with other shows in the past, the problem hasn't always been that we are bored of them, but that they continue to force us to recycle the same material mm-hmm, right. and mm-hmm. talk about the same characters doing the same plot beats. Yeah. Right. Maybe next episode. Uh, hmm <laughs> Maybe next episode we'll meet a new digi called uh, Trianglamon. <laughs> Trianglamon. <laughs> that, that's just in a variety. Let me. Yeah. You know, for yeah. me to go on. Trapezoidular. <laughs> uh, and uh, can I? I yeah. Really quick, I just want to commend all of our abilities to uh, resist having a theme for this episode. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm actually kind of proud of us. Me too. So things were getting a little out of hand. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. Last episode, we tried, and you were the weak link, and you failed us. You know, I think the, the blame goes to all of us, really. You know? I mean, I think we're, we're all equally to blame for... Well, if, we, if we're going to get technical, me and Andy called each other before you and came up with a secret theme we've been doing <laughs> all night. It's been in code. <laughs> do, I, do I still not get to know what it was? Or no, are you gonna no. Just, no. Okay. <laughs> no. No, this you is like a this is like a Da Vinci Code esque like scavenger hunt for you to find. You gotta pick through this episode of the fine tooth comb and find out what the theme was. Hope you don't go well, nuts. I, yeah, no, I, <laughs> I I've cracked it, but I won't give you the, the satisfaction of telling <laughs> you. So. <laughs> so with that, since I have cracked the riddle and escaped escaped my hell. Uh, <laughs> you graduated gonna, from riddle school. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna sign this out. My Dan Brownie in prison, (laughs) and uh, give us our our classic sign out phrase. Yeah, um, and that that sign out phrase, as it always is, that we say every time, is milk coins.
You know what I love about your sign outs is that there's always a pause after where we're like, do we comment? Do we just let Kyle cut to the, to the theme song? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Milk coins. Look, I'm fucking out of content, you know? <laughs> hey, Ding Dongs, it's Rory. Thanks for listening to Saturday Morning Tuesdays this week. If you're a fan of our weekly plunge into the cartoon graveyard, please subscribe to our show on iTunes and leave a nice review for us to lap up out of out of our saucer like the like the hungry little kittens we are. We got Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, the social media triumvirate. We got a website, sataamtuesdays.com, S-A-T-A-M, Tuesdays.com. Next week, we've got a super special treat for you guys that I won't spoil here in this little outro script, but I promise you, if you stay tuned, if you plug in your little earplugs, pop out your little earplugs, I should say, then you're going you're gonna to be rewarded with sweet little ear treats. This week, our advertisers were Edible Boyfriends and Two Cheese's new record, Bird Tape. We hope to hear from you soon. Be strong, my sweeties. I know you got that bird in there, chirping at four in the morning. I'm coming in your house and I'm taping up your robins. (laughs) I gotta sleep, I got a job. We can't all be having weird birds in a house. There's no business for having robins. I'm taping up your robins in Brooklyn and in the hot. I'm taping up your robins. I'm taping up your robins in Brooklyn and in the hot. I know you got that bird in there. I know you got that bird in there. There's no business for having robins.